Welcome to Ghostly. Is the University of Notre Dame haunted? Ghostly is a podcast that comes out every other week. In each episode, we take a ghost story or paranormal event and look into its complete history. Rebecca then gives us evidence proving that the story is real. And my job is to debate those pieces of evidence and get you, the listener, prepared to vote on if it's real or not. If you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe or follow button. And I'm one of your hosts. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. Happy Me Day, Rebecca. Me Day? Yeah. What's Me Day? It's St. Patty's Day. Ah, Patrick. St. Patrick's yeah. Day. Yeah, one day we should do an episode on on good old St. Patrick. Oh, that would be interesting. I bet a lot of people would be surprised to hear some of the things about St. Patrick. <laughs> I guess that's true. I don't really mm-hmm. know much about him. Oh, I know a little something. Wow. Yeah. Is so, it like inherited with the name? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want it to be St. Patrick. I want it ah. to be a saint and Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm still working on that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what have you been up to, Rebecca? Uh, you know, it's been uh, a nice time. The weather is getting better, so I feel like I'm uh, able to do more. I've uh, I've gotten some family members some vaccine appointments. Wow! It's been it's been a exciting time. Um, also, uh, we've got our book club book coming out this week. So yes. if you are interested in joining the book club, finding out what the book is, just go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on book club and uh, you'll see the book. You can sign up for for it and you'll get emails with all the information. Yeah, it's going to be a really good one too, right? I'm super excited I for this too. one. It's going to be different than the previous books we've had yes. and I think that's a good thing. It'll be it'll be a fun fun read. Yeah, these are stories, right? They're stories and they're um, it's nonfiction-ish. Yeah. That's how I'm going to describe it. <laughs> how about you? What's been going on with you? Oh, same old, same old. I actually got one of those vaccine appointments. Ooh, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. In fact, uh, the day after we're recording this, so tomorrow I'm going to be going out and getting my vaccine. Very exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm super stoked. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Imagine having real life again. Right. We could actually go see Ghost then. I can't imagine it. <laughs> I can't imagine either because there's no ghost. But hey, but still, anyways. Uh, so we do have a couple of shout outs. Yep. Uh, so there are two ways that you can get a shout out. And the first way is to give us a review on Apple Podcast. We always prefer the five-star reviews, but we'll read any and all reviews that we receive. Unfortunately, we did not receive any Apple Podcast reviews this time. Okay. So everything that we have is the second way, and that is either to buy us a, a coffee on buymeacoffee.com slash ghostlypodcast or by going to our website, ghostlypodcast.com, and hitting buy us a coffee in the menu, or they could even become a member on Buy Me a Coffee for Ghostly. Uh, yes, and then you get... Uh early notification of future episodes. Yeah, and we we are planning a lot more things. Yeah, that, we're going to we're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'll uh, I'll name our first one. Okay. Uh which is uh Julie Marrier 17. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, and the second one is our good friend Nina. <laughs> yes, our good friend Nina. <laughs> 
just decided to drop by and buy us some coffee. Which was very, very uh, awesome of her. Yeah. And then Karchi Steel. Thank you. Ooh, yeah. Very exciting. So, yeah, we uh, we always appreciate the buy me a coffee. Yes. It's a, again, I, we really do actually drink coffee and we really mm-hmm. do appreciate the coffee money. Uh, it helps uh, keep, coffee keep fuels, this going. Coffee fuels ghostly. It really does. Yeah. All right. Do we have any listener mail? We do. Remember, we have to read our the oh, second yeah. half of our letter. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, remember, that's this, actually a physical letter. It is a physical letter that we letter. received in the mail. It is, and it's from Marisol. Um, so remember, last week her little boy was yeah. like seeing something. Okay. So here we go. Here's my second story, also in my bedroom. One night I was in bed watching something when all of a sudden a smell came out of nowhere. You know, I that, just had- That was probably me. <laughs> Actually, I'm not allowed to make fart jokes. I'm sorry. Fart, fart, fart. <laughs> uh, no, I wanted to just stop for a second because you know what? In the COVID world, as long as you're smelling, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, all right. Uh, I sat straight up in bed and asked my boyfriend next to me if he smells a perfume smell. And he says, no. Uh, did you uh, did you spray something? Well, no, I had been in bed um, vegging and this intense aromatic hits me out of nowhere. It lasted about three minutes. I got out of bed and was walking around the room, sniffing the air like a weirdo. Wait, three minutes doesn't sound like it's a lot of time, but if you actually like time like out on your phone or whatever, three minutes, it actually is a long no, time. No, that would be a long time. Yeah. yeah. I even stepped out of the room and when I did, the smell vanished. I stepped back into the bedroom and it's hanging thickly in the air without notice. Poof, it's gone. Oh, sorry. Hanging thickly in the air and then without notice, poof, it's gone. This smell came on out of nowhere and instantly left. It didn't dissipate at all. Wow. So you may think an aromatic smell in my room could be a candle, detergent, spray, laundry, etc. But the problem is... One, I know those smells. Two, I don't have perfume. Three, it smelled exactly like the perfume my grandma wore. It is an unmistakable scent because it was the only one and it was very distinct. Now, knowing that you may think... It's probably Chanel, right? I don't know. Oh. I had clothing of hers or she had visited my room. Well, neither are true. I don't have any of her belongings in my room and she died last year. I am quite logical and really skeptical, but I don't know what to think about this situation. This smell smellucination smellucination i had it came and went so quickly i was completely awake and totally sober i am so puzzled by it and even my skepticalness finds happiness in it that if it was grandma stepping in that's pretty lovely and heartwarming this has never happened again and no i don't have um I don't have other smell hallucinations. <laughs> oh, one other piece to that situation is that the next day, talking to my mom, grandma's daughter, about random daily things, not about that smell, my mom just nonchalantly tells me that grandma visited her last night. 
She said it as casually as you'd say you were hungry. I've never spoken paranormally to my parents before. And that took me so off guard. And that was all that was said. I didn't tell her what happened to me the same night. Okay, I'm sorry. No, no. I could not have not been like, are you kidding? Well, well, she might I not smelled have grandma. You know, it's one of those kind of things that sometimes when somebody says something that jarring to you, you don't think about it. Yeah, but at some point I would have to say something. All right. So there you have it. Uh, me, my and my son's strange encounters. I would love to hear both of your opinions on the stories, especially what the super skeptical Pat thinks about my smell hallucination. Oh, <laughs> this well, is a new word, people. I'm I, very excited about this. You know what? I am not one of those kind of people that are going to um, ruin somebody's belief that they're you know, dead relative is still around. I, I can't do that. Well, she's in the middle on this. Like, it seems like she doesn't believe, but she kind of wants to believe. Mm, I don't know. I think I'm going to leave that research to her. Okay. Um, because, as I said, I don't want to be the bad guy all the time. Wow. Just most of the time. You okay. Know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, she says, uh, thanks so much for the podcast, Ghostly Society and the book club. It's fun to feel a part of the show and connect with other like and not like-minded people. Oh, yeah. Ghostly Society is our um, place where we go and we chat with everyone. Yeah. And uh, we've built up a pretty decent community, almost 400 people right now. Yeah. And it can all be found on Facebook facebook.com slash ghostly society i believe uh, but just do a search for ghostly society in the uh search bar and you'll find us you got it and yeah it's our it's our private facebook group it is so yeah. we can post things there like super secret information about our next episode oh, yeah. like that... a certain guest we might have on the next episode right so yeah Definitely join and you will learn more. All right. Peace and hugs, Marisol. And then she says, P.S. Jacob Mayfield's premonitions prompted me to write to you guys. Smiley face. Because remember, he prompted or he had a premonition or not a premonition, but one of his uh, things that he did uh, said that we were going to get a letter. So thank you for that. And I brought that up last uh, episode and you said no. Well, I think it's a I, I think this is a great letter. Yeah. But I think there's a an electronic letter <laughs> that we got that might be yeah. might be what he's talking about. But we'll see. We'll see. We won't know till the future. Yeah, well we really appreciate you sending in the mail uh that that's really nice. It's really nice to see someone's handwriting. It is, but right? I love the story. And and you know yeah. what though? We love your stories no matter how they come to us. Uh, you can email us at info at ghostlypodcast.com or just use the contact form on ghostlypodcast.com. You can call us at 630-448-2138 and leave a voicemail. If you're like, I can't write it out. I just want to say it. That's a great way to do it. And then, of course, if you do want to send us that piece of actual mail, you can send it to P.O. Box number 264, Geneva, Illinois, 60134. And we realize a lot of people listen to us when you drive. So just go on ghostlypodcast.com. All the information's on there. You could scroll to the bottom and find the address and phone number. And up on top, you'll see contact us. You got it. All right. So, you know, we're doing so good this episode. Let's just skip over those polls. Nope, nope, nope. Can't do it. I know you keep trying to do that. One day, one day, you're just not even going to remember that we do polls. (laughs) And then it's going to just take like a couple of episodes of you forgetting. No, the polls are a central 
part. Okay, well, how do they vote in the polls? Yeah, you know, I was we I was thinking about this. We we sometimes forget to mention that everything is at ghostlypodcast.com. Yeah, just go to polls at the top. You got it. And mm-hmm. uh, we do this every episode. We always want to hear what you think. Uh, so if you don't like the results, well, you know what to do. Go vote. vote. Yeah. <laughs> That's true for everything, right? And skeptics are allowed to vote more than once, right? Uh, no. Oh. Uh. all right so uh our last episode was about the stanley hotel and the results were yes 65.2 percent and no 34.8 wow that was actually a lot closer than i thought it was gonna be i was worried at first it was definitely skewing no and then my believers came out um so thank you guys yeah, and you know, we also ask people for their comments too. And there's there's always great comments. Maybe one day we'll ask if we could read these out on the show. Uh, yeah, that would be great. Cuz they, they are really funny. We have some really funny listeners. Yep. Uh so this episode was suggested to us by our friend Todd Davis. Uh he grew up in South Bend and he's the owner of Laughing Ghost Studios. He's so talented, this guy. (laughs) His work is amazing. Yeah, he makes these super artistic masks. Like, I don't think masks you'd put on. No, and I mean, he does other stuff too, but I think that's his big thing. And they're just, they're amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just got to go check him out. He's on Facebook or Instagram, any of those places. Laughing Ghost Studios. Anyways, the minute that he mentioned Notre Dame to me, I was all over the idea, and I went to Rebecca instantly. And this is one of those few episodes that we just got the idea for like a month ago. Yeah. And And we were already like, no, we got to do this one. And it's perfect for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, because, I mean, Notre Dame, there's so much history in that place, right? I mean, it seems like a good place to finally find proof of ghosts, right? Absolutely. Well, maybe. We'll see. Do you have a ghost story for us? Of course. All right. It's time for a spooky tale from Rebecca. Okay. Last night was insane. I still can't believe what happened. It's just, no way did I believe this kind of thing could happen. My boyfriend Joe invited me to go out with some of his friends last night. He refused to tell me what we were going to do, just said it'll be fun. We didn't even go to meet the others until 1 a.m. I'll admit, I was excited. I mean, we're in college. This is when you do insane stuff in the middle of the night. I figured we'd be pulling some prank. We met outside Washington Hall. There were six of us. And they were all people I know. That's when Joe's friend Stephen told us what we were going to be doing. Going inside and using a Ouija board to try and contact the ghosts people say haunt this place. Not what I was expecting. (laughs) I mean, this is not a typical activity for this group. But we were all game and I was relieved we weren't going to be defacing something. We made it inside to the main stage in the concert hall and set it up. Carly had even brought candles to set up around us. It would be too cramped for all of us to use it at one time, so we split into two groups to take turns. The first group went, and nothing happened for the first few minutes. But then I heard Michelle gasp. 
I didn't want to break the circle, so I just tried to crane my neck in to see. I hear Stephen say, it's moving. There's an S and a G. Goodbye. It just moved across the goodbye. They all let go and definitely had some minor freakouts. None of them could stop talking about how it felt like something was pulling them. Now, of course, Joe claimed they must have moved it, but I wasn't so sure. So then it was our turn, Joe, Chris, and me. We sat there and asked if the spirit could talk again. I swear my fingers were barely touching it. And the same for the others. All of the sudden, it moved away from me. But it felt like something by me was pushing it. It did the same thing. S and G and then goodbye. We could not believe it. Joe tried to laugh it off, but it was harder to do this time. We decided it was definitely time to get out of there. We packed up as fast as we could and ran out of the door right into a security guard finishing his rounds. S G security guard. Luckily, he was cool, and once he heard our story, he let us go with the warning. But he told us, this place definitely has something in it. I heard and feel things all the time, he said. What a crazy night. I've never had anything like that happen to me before. I'm not sure what I'll do when I have to go to that place again. And I wonder if anyone will believe this story. Wow. So how much of that is real? So that is a story that a group of students claim happened. The SG? The SG and the security guard. Now, I don't know if they actually like talk to the security guard. That part I just added, but What if it was like for Satan's guardian or something? Who knows? Yeah. But we're just assuming it was the security guard. But it happened twice. They did it twice and it it had, it did the same thing both times. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Well, maybe we should take a break and then get into the history. Sounds good. So here at Ghostly, we have a new sponsor, Sinister Coffee and Creamery. Yeah, Sinister Coffee and Creamery is a shop in Portland owned by an amazing couple, Kelly and Michelle, who are also super into the paranormal and do their own investigations in addition to making amazing coffee. What's really cool is that they pick their coffee names to give insight into the deeper meaning behind supernatural and paranormal terminology. Our favorite blend is Apparition. It's a medium roast with delicious chocolate oats. And Ghostly listeners get 10% off when they use the code GHOSTLY10 on their order at SinisterCoffeeAndCreamery.com. And that will be in our show notes, too. It will. So order some today and enjoy a little ghost with your coffee. All right, time for a little hashtag pet facts. Pets, facts. From a skeptic point of view. Pets, facts. 
One of the earliest known groups that occupied South Bend, Indiana, uh, were, of course, Native Americans, right? Yes. Specifically, the Miami tribe. Where do you think the Miami tribe comes from, Rebecca? I'm going to say Ohio. What? Yeah. The univers- the Miami, Ohio University. A lot of people from here go there. Oh, I, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, maybe Florida? No, no, not at all. Uh, they actually came from Green Bay. <laughs> oh, interesting. I don't know why the Miami tribe came from Green Bay, but Miami a, is a Native American uh, name. Okay. <laughs> so later, the Potawatomi tribe moved into the area, and this was really good land for them, as it was right off of the St. Joseph River, And that meant that they can get fresh fish and the ability to raise a farm. Interesting. We have uh, Potawatomi uh, around us here, too. Yeah, we we definitely did. I don't think it's anymore, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We also, there's a Potawatomi casino. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, Of course, they were forced to leave this area when the white man decided the area would be good for building in the early 1840s. It always starts the same way. The white men would move into the area to trade furs. And once they established that they liked the area, uh, they would tell others. And eventually they would force out the Native Americans. That's the story. That's the story. Yep. And during the 1830s through the 1850s, which is right when Notre Dame was founded, South Bend was starting to develop. There was a lot of factories being opened along the St. Joseph River, but South Bend would not become incorporated until 1865. And I'm sure Notre Dame actually played a um, big part in that. It's interesting to think they were kind of side by side or that it wasn't it wasn't like the university came because of the town. Yeah, exactly. No, there was like hardly anything there interesting. At, that, at that moment. Uh, in 1842, the Bishop of Vincennes offered land to a priest named Edward Soren, but it was only to build a college. Okay. Edward Soren grew up in France. He was the seventh of nine children, and he was born into a well-off middle-class family. His family was fairly religious and actually sheltered two priests during the French Revolution. He had only became a priest in 1838 and had just recently joined the Congregation of Holy, of Holy Cross. Uh, he left France on August 5th, 1841, with six other priests from America, four of which were Irish and the other three were French. Upon getting to New York on September 13th, he knelt down and kissed the ground, which was a sign that they adopted their new country. Right? Nope. You've seen... yeah. You've seen that in a lot of shows or, you know, you've heard of people doing that. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why it's they're they're planning to stay there forever. OK. Although he didn't he went back and forth from France and mm. and actually India, too. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Soren believed he was coming to America to start up a community. The bishop of those days was supposed to pay him 3000 francs for Soren and the six other priests traveling expenses. Um, But they arrived much later than expected, and the bishop had already spent that money. So they were actually two years late. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Back then, (laughs) that might be what happens. But man, 
That's yeah. not good. But this wasn't the only thing that stood between the bishop and Soren. Soren wanted to start a college, and that was not something the bishop wanted. Oh. Well, it wasn't really that the bishop didn't want the college. It's more that he had promised another Catholic college, uh, the one in Vincennes, that they wouldn't have any competition for funds or students. It seems like they're far enough away from each (laughs) other that it would be okay. Yeah, but back then, they would send people overseas for schooling. Mm, Yeah, I suppose that's true. And this was not just a Catholic uh, college. This was a uh, French Catholic college. So it was a big deal to them. Yeah. Um. So the bishop eventually, though, decided to allow Soren to open his college as long as it was on a plot of land that he owned near South Bend, Indiana, in the middle of nowhere. Gotcha. So these 524 acres of land had been bought by a Reverend Stephen Baden in 1830, where he had hoped and he failed to build his own school. So uh, Stephen Baden... He was actually the first priest ordained in the United States, sold the land to the bishop, and then the bishop gave it to Soren. So Reverend Soren described his arrival on campus in a letter to Basil Moreau, and it goes like this. Everything was frozen, and yet it all appeared so beautiful. The lake, particularly, with its mantle of snow, resplendent in its whiteness, was to us a symbol of the stainless purity of our august lady, whose name it bears, and also of the purity of soul, which should characterize the new inhabitants of these beautiful shores. Our lodgings appeared to us, as indeed they are, but little different from those at St. Peter's. We made haste to inspect all the various sites on the banks of the lake, which had been so highly praised. Yes, like little children, in spite of the cold, We went from one extremity to the other, perfectly enchanted with the marvelous beauties of our new abode. Oh, may this new Eden be ever the home of innocence and virtue. Reverend Edward Soren, CSC, Circular Letters, Part 2, Number 1. That was nice. Uh, Soren was only given two years to open his college. This was kind of like another thing that the bishop threw at him, thinking that he probably wouldn't get it established within two years. But he did, because they began having school using Baden's old uh, log chapel that he had set up. Ah, so it was already a building. Yeah, they only had uh, a couple of students at that moment, like two students. But once they got a few more enrolled, they started to actually make the buildings that are there now. Some of them are there. One or maybe uh, a very few amount are there now. Sure, but yeah. They but they started. going. Yeah. Um, So Soren had actually discussed the building with an architect in uh, France, and the architect said that he would come to South Bend to help him build it, but he didn't show up on time Mm. again. (laughs) (laughs) So they were on their own to construct what is now called the Old College, which is a two-story brick building that at the time served as a dormitory, a bakery, and a classroom. Okay. All in one. (laughs) In 1844, it received its official college charter from the Indiana General Assembly under the name of the University of Notre Dame du Lac, uh, which is the University of Our Lady of the Lake. So uh, Notre Dame is just Our Lady. Mm -hmm. 
and Notre Dame Dulac means the Lady of the Lake, University of the Lady of the Lake. I love it. Yeah. Because the university was originally all male, the female-only St. Mary's College was founded by the Sisters of the Holy Cross near Notre Dame in 1844. So shortly after. Yeah, that's amazing. In 1849, Notre Dame awarded its first degrees. So that's a long time ago. Yes, it's been operating. That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Especially for a private college like this, you Mm -hmm. know, that doesn't get the same government funding. Exactly, yep. Uh, Soren's strength was demonstrated on April 23rd, 1879, when a fire destroyed the main building, which housed virtually the entire university and also the library. Oh, no. And their library was was pretty big at that time. It had like a thousand books oh, at that time. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Uh, Timothy Edward Howard, uh, which became a chief justice at the Indiana Supreme Court, and he was also a professor at Notre Dame, provided a first-person account of what Soren said inside the Sacred Heart Church. I was then present when Father Soren, after looking over the destruction of his life work, stood at the altar steps of the only building left and spoke to the community what I have always felt to be the most sublime words I ever listened to. There was absolute faith, confidence, resolution in his very look and pose. If it were all gone, I should not give up. His words in closing. The effect was electric. It was the crowning moment of his life. A sad company had gone into the church that day. They were all simple Christian heroes as they came out. There was never more a shadow of a doubt as to the future of Notre Dame. Yeah, what's kind of funny, too, is that some people recall him saying something like, uh, the Virgin Mary thought it wasn't big enough, the building. Oh. So that's why she burned it down. Wow. So that we will have to build bigger. Okay. Yeah. Motivation. I'm. I don't know if he actually said that, but a lot of people recalled hearing him say that okay. at the time. Uh, Soren passed away on October thirty first, eighteen ninety three, at the age of seventy nine. He's laid to rest at the Holy Cross Cemetery in Notre Dame. He died of Bright's disease, which is a historical classification of kidney disease. Gotcha. So during Soren's years at Notre Dame, he saw a lot of new buildings being built, including in 1888, they opened the Basilica of the Sacred Heart. The first Notre Dame football team first played in Notre Dame on November 23, 1887, nearly 45 years to the day after Father Soren arrived in northern Indiana. The university chose to honor the Irish with the name The Fighting Irish, Uh, Which you would think they would have called it the Fighting French, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you said the six priests, it it sounded like there were more Irish than French. I mean, obviously, Soren was French. But I also, you know, Chicago and this whole area has a lot of Irish. And I assume a lot of Irish Catholic parents Mm. would have wanted to send their kids there. Uh, Yeah. But it is interesting that it's not that the name of the university is French. Yeah. But the name of the football team is Irish. Yeah, because I always thought, you know, Notre Dame is in is in France, so it has to be French. Mm-hmm. And then how is Notre Dame here Irish? A lot of Irish there, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. George Gipp played football for Notre Dame from 1917 to 1920. He was born in Michigan in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, he came to Notre Dame to play baseball. 
but he was recruited for the football team. Gip led the Fighting Irish in rushing and passing. He actually has some records that are still on the books today. So there's a story about how um, Gip died. And it's probably not true at all, though, (laughs) just to tell you. (laughs) Well, it Um, might be something we talk about. But yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning and uh, talking about when we talk about Notre Dame football. So he was out late one, one night, and he returned to campus after curfew. He couldn't get into his dorm, so he went to the rear door of, of the Washington Hall, which is uh, the campus theater building. And he went there because he knew that the door was often unlocked. So when he partied a little too late, he would often spend the night there. But on that night, the hall was locked tight. He slept outside, and by the morning, he had contracted pneumonia and eventually died from a related infection. Now, the more likely story is that he got strep throat while giving punting lessons after his final game, which was November 20th, 1920, against Northwestern, another college around the area here. And since there are no antibiotics in 1920s, uh, these things were very hard to treat, and it became much worse and eventually took him down. But, Rebecca, you probably don't remember him for his football playing. Do you, have you ever heard of this man, Gip? I, this does not sound familiar to me. I mean, it does because I've done research. But before <laughs> researching this episode, if you had said, yeah. who's the most famous football player or whatever, no, I would mm. not have thought of this name. But he's not just famous for the way that he played football. He was on his hospital bed and said this to a football coach named Rockney. I've got to go, Rock. It's all right. I'm not afraid. Sometime, Rock, when the team is up against it, when things are wrong and the brakes are beating the boys, ask them to go in there with all they've got and win just one for the Gipper. I don't know where I'll be then, Rock, but I'll know about it and I'll be happy. Yeah, so he was the Gipper that, you know, everyone's talked about when they say, win one for the Gipper. Okay, so I'm just going to, I'm going to be vulnerable here and say (laughs) that whenever I've heard the phrase, win one for the Gipper, my brain has always thought of Ronald Reagan. Do you know why? Okay, I did not (laughs) (laughs) until researching this. Ronald Reagan played the Gipper, the yeah. Gipper in a movie, and so like I, but I've I swear I've heard people refer to Ronald <laughs> Reagan as the Gipper, and it never made any sense to me, and I didn't understand any of it. But with, he was playing this character with Ronald Reagan. <laughs> a lot of times, uh, like he took on the personality of the person that he played, and um, people gave gave him credit for the things that those people did, I think, you know? <laughs> so, okay. Anyways. All yeah. right. So the Gipper is this, this guy that played football. <laughs> Got it. So Rockney used the story of Gip, the Gipper, uh, along with his deathbed line that he attributed to Gip to rally his team to a 12 to six upset of the previously undefeated army team in 1928. Okay. So he waited eight years to use that line. There you go. Well, and I mean... <laughs> if it was true. If it was true, yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite Notre Dame story was Rudy. Rudy grew up in Joliet, Illinois. He was the third of 14 children. He re- he never really did well at school because uh, he found out later on that he was dyslexic, 
which in the 1960s was often not diagnosed. It's still a lot of times it's not diagnosed. He played football for the Joliet Catholic High School, which I used to, uh, I didn't go there, but I, I went there several times to do blood drives and stuff. So I, I definitely been on that campus. Uh, He didn't have much hope for a stable career, so he decided to join the Navy after high school. And after that, he worked at a power plant for two years. So he was in the Navy for two years. He worked on this power plant for two years. And then he decided to apply for Notre Dame, you know, with the GI Bill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, but his grades were just too low to get into school. So he enrolled in a nearby school called Holy Cross College. And he worked his butt off to get his grades better. And after two years, he was accepted by Notre Dame on his fourth try. He applied four times. So it had been his dream to go to Notre Dame. But it was also his dream to play football for the Fighting Irish. But he was too short. He was 5'6". And he was too small. He was 165 pounds. Uh, He again worked his butt off and was allowed to join their uh, scout or practice team. And it took until his senior year for him to have a chance to actually play, November 8th, 1975. He didn't get on the field until the last three plays of the season. And on the third play, though, he sacked the quarterback. He was carried off the field by his teammates following the game, and he holds the honor of being the first man carried off the field of a Notre Dame game. And since then, only one other player has held that honor, and that was Mark Edwards in 1995. And they made a movie about Rudy's story. And in that movie, uh, they actually filmed at the high school that I went to high school with and filmed on the field that I played football on. That's amazing, because I love that movie. Like, that I totally... That's the When I think of Notre Dame football, that's the story that I think of. And, it's more modern day. Oh, definitely. It was, yeah. Uh, but that's amazing that they filmed it where you played football. That's cool. Yeah. And Rudy went on to become a motivational speaker and get into some trouble with the law, which I don't really want to go over <laughs> in this podcast <laughs> because it kind of brings down my image of Rudy. Yeah, but well, but uh, it, yeah, it's he, you know, it's still an inspirational story. And that you're not too old to go back to school, and that you know if you persevere and fight. And, you know, you you can you can achieve your dreams. Yeah. And uh, he's still alive today. He's 72 right now. Okay. So, yeah. He's got his vaccine. (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) I haven't I haven't checked with Rudy. Okay. All right. Uh, Do you have anything to add to the history, Rebecca? Uh, No, that's great. I love that to to learn about the school. Uh, You know, I mean, you just kind of. You hear about it, certainly where we live, there's a lot of people that, that go there. I had a friend who uh, went there for grad school, um, uh, or wanted to go there for grad school, I should say. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's it's always been kind of kind of out there. Now, I went to another Catholic school, yeah. so I kind of feel like I understand it a little <laughs> bit, even though I'm not Catholic, <laughs> went to a Catholic school. Uh, but it's... Uh, uh, definitely, they are interesting places, and uh, uh, it, it was it was interesting to hear the story. Yeah, but how hard is it to get into a school like Notre Dame? It, yeah, it's pretty hard. I mean, and they're yeah, they're really famous, and they're they're famous for their academics. So they they definitely uh, are very discerning in who they 
they let in. Yeah, they can be. Yeah. They get, you know, thousands and thousands of people, you know, trying to get in every single year. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, next up is the debate. But let's take a break before that. Sounds good. Listeners, did you know there's a way to share with the world whether you're hashtag team believer or hashtag team skeptic, or for those who need it, hashtag team the middle? It's our store called Ghostly Gear. Yep. And we even have custom ghostly designs like microclimate or even the Easter Island Massacre or of the ghostly logo. Just visit our Ghostly Gear store right on ghostlypodcast.com to order your t-shirt, hoodie, mug, mask, whatever. <laughs> okay, okay. I think we got it. Um, they just need to visit ghostlypodcast.com and click on Ghostly Gear to order right on the website and send us any ideas that you have for new merch. Exactly. Order your merch today and send us a pic of you in your ghostly gear. It's time for a debate. But before we do our debate, we have new music to debut that goes with our debate section. Let's hear it. So that was from my friend, Gail Gallagher. She's such an amazingly talented person, and you can find out more about Gail and her music at gailgallaghermusic.com, which will be in the show notes. So. Absolutely. I know. I love it. And I will say, at first, I was like, huh. And then I'm going to be honest. I, I mean, I, I thought, is this going to be as catchy as Pat Fax? It sticks in your head. It does. It yeah. really does. <laughs> That's a that's a key to the music in Ghostly. That's a stick in your head like a ghost. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Were well, you ready to debate? I am ready. Okay. I was surprised by how many ghost stories I found at Notre Dame. Really? Uh, yeah. They are. They have been. The ghost stories have been around almost as long as the school itself, and it's even been on the Travel Channel. Wow. For, uh, as a ghost, ghosty haunted place. Has Zach Baggins been there? I could not find that. Oh, okay. Doesn't mean he hasn't, right, right. but I didn't see that. Uh, almost every list that I found for top haunted colleges has the University of Notre Dame on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's up there. Um, so let's start with the first ghost reported that I could find. Okay. Uh, which is Father Edward Soren himself. Ah, Soren, like Lord of the Rings Soren, right? <laughs> That's Sauron, <laughs> oh, isn't okay. it? I don't know. I uh -huh. could have that wrong. Uh, he passed away on Halloween in 1893, as you mentioned. And since then, there have been reports of his ghost all around campus, keeping an eye on things. So while there's been reports in several places, I thought I'd mention kind of the big one, a big one, and then uh, another small little one to kind of 
prove my point. So the biggest one is at the main building during its renovation. So this was, I think, the 60s. Um, the night cleaners reported an elderly priest in habit with long beard roaming the corridors. Hmm. They thought a little of it until one noticed the priest had no feet and others saw him pass through walls. <clears throat> and then they were like, oh, <laughs> maybe that's not an actual person. <laughs> it's a ghost. Another sighting of the same figure was Pam Bendit. She claims that while washing dis- dishes, so sh- this was in the dining hall. So the main building and the dining hall are two two places he's seen. Um, so she claims while washing dishes at 4 a.m., she turned and saw a white figure floating mm. near the doors to the dining room. Now, at first when I saw this, I was so excited. I was like, lady in white. Uh, but she later saw a picture of Father Soren and recognized him as the figure that she saw. So now we have a man in white. A man in white. Yep. <laughs> um, wow, that's really interesting. And he is definitely um, different looking than the times nowadays, right? Right. He's got this big, long beard. Yeah. And yeah, people, they they claim those those features. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm imagining that on in Notre Dame... There's probably a lot of pictures of Soren around. So yeah, Pat, uh, sorry, Pam saw it uh, in a painting above the fireplace. Okay, yeah, yeah, that would be a good place to put the founder. And of I the think I saw maybe a statue of him as well. Yeah, uh, I think that's what it is. I think people see this and then they uh, instantly will put that on any kind of vision that they have seen or anything like that. Yeah, but they still have the vision. But I'm I'm just saying that most of the time it's it's probably just an old priest. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other times, uh, like where they had no feet or something like that, they must have just, you know, saw something that wasn't there. I think it was several people and it's in a couple different places. I think this guy's around. I think maybe Soren learned the Jedi trick of being able to stay around <laughs> afterwards. He learned how to control the midichlorians? Yes, he did. And uh, <laughs> he is just going back to tell people to use the Force. Gotcha, gotcha. That's what it is, totally. <laughs> so what is your rating of the evidence? Uh, I give this one a seven. A seven, okay. Yeah, because we got two different sightings and they saw the same thing or similar thing. So, yeah. what, what do you think I'm going to give this one? Uh, I'm going to say a five. No, but it's a two. A two? Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Just because I, I don't have anything to really debunk it because I, you know, like they're not giving specifics really of it. So except for the Pam one, uh, which that was at 4 a.m. So she could have been a little tired. <laughs> so the rest of them, I'm going to give a two to. All right. The Pam one, I would give a zero to. But. <gasps> okay. All right, another one. The area with the most activity reported is Washington Hall. Yes. Right? This definitely, there's several possible ghosts and several stories of encounters over the years. Some that have been proven wrong already. Uh, Yes. And so I've tried my best to not include. Okay, you weeded out the ones, the trumpet. Yeah, I took out the French horn, trumpet, whatever, because definitely there were people years later, they're like, that was me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I mean, it goes back and forth, but I decided let's not worry about that one. 
All right, but I will say the most popular story as far as like who the ghost is is the Gipper, George the Gipper Gip. Okay. Right. So he, uh, as you told us the story earlier, right? So when you when you look at this up, uh, it's always you know the 1920 story that he got back late, you know, had to sleep outside, got sick, and died. All of that. Okay. So that was 1920. During the 1925 to 26 school year. A student from Brazil named, okay, Pio Montenegro was the first to say that he saw a ghost at Washington Hall. Mm. Montenegro said he saw the ghost of George Gipp on a white horse galloping up the stairs and through the entrance of the hall. Okay. So the story of Gipp haunting the hall has stuck ever since. Um, but the one one thing that uh, they say is this is the only report of seeing this ghost outside of the hall. Every other report has been inside. Yeah. Um, and I will also say there's other reports people will talk about with the um, Potawatomi um, Native Americans on horses galloping. Why not the Miami tribe? I don't know. They go with Potawatomi. Um, but um, I believe that it was. it's all based on this story. Okay. So they just kind of changed it up over the years. Well, I'm going to say, uh, why was the Gip on a horse? It is a little weird. It is a little weird. Uh, he wasn't known to be a horse person or anything. I, I couldn't find anything that ties him to horses. Um, also, the whole Washington um, Washington Hall story where he slept outside might have been made up. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to know. So really, he was a steward of the Washington Hall, uh, which would give him some relation to it. But I mean, not enough where, you know... I mean, he wasn't a theater guy. He wasn't, uh, he just, he just was a steward of that particular hall in his senior year and uh, knew its ins and outs. But besides that, he didn't really have much relation to the Washington Hall. I mean, I guess I, it does seem to me like if he was going to haunt anywhere, you'd think he would haunt like the football field. Yeah, exactly. Or the yeah. locker rooms or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. And he didn't. So and I think that that story was made up by Rockney as well, by Coach Rockney mm. to do the Gipper thing. I mean, come on, he waited eight years to finally tell anyone this story. Well, that's a different thing, like whether or not he said that on his deathbed. I mean, that, yeah, does not seem but even real the story, to me. But even the story of him, you know, sleeping outside Washington Hall. Well, maybe up he, to debate. Well, maybe yeah, maybe he didn't want to admit that it was something he was doing for the team that caused him to get sick. Could be, but I mean, this story to me doesn't have any credibility as far as it being the gap. All right, so what's your rating of this one? Zero for this one. Okay, I'm actually going to give it uh, a four. A four? Yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever gone that. Low. I don't know if I have either. I this one to me, it's def- a little ridiculous, right? It. Well, here's the thing. Do I believe that there are spirits at Washington Hall? I do. But do I think that they are the Gipper? And do I think that the Gipper was on a horse and that that's what that guy saw? I do not. Yeah. And that's the evidence that you presented to me. So that's what I'm going And that's at. the evidence that he presented to the world. Yeah. Right. So we have to judge that. I mean, yeah. do I think that he maybe saw something potentially, but I don't think that it was this. And that's what he said that he saw. So if I'm basing it on what he said, I got to give it a four. There was a teacher, I believe, that died in Washington Hall, but that was in the 40s, I want to say. Yeah, there's a couple 
we're going to talk about him okay. coming up. Yeah. Again, like I said, there's a lot, there's a lot of so again, I'm not I am not saying the Washington Hall is not haunted. I'm just saying I don't think it's this. There's several yeah. candidates okay. for ghosts All in right. the hall. Okay, so here's another candidate for a potential ghost that could be haunting Washington Hall, and that is if a steeplejack who fell Ooh. to his death in 1886. Now, I was going to look up what a steeplejack was, and I didn't. I assume it's some sort of construction worker that works on steeples. Yes, I believe... It's either that or it's somebody that works with like chimneys and stuff. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a, mm-hmm. you know, maintainer of yeah. steeples. Um, we'll go with. Uh, I'm sorry because. I, so anyway, so people claim that he, you know, so he fell to his death and that they hear unexplained noises in the halls, footstep on the roof. Um, and it often happens during like rehearsals and, and things that happen at the building. So I thought I'd give a specific story of people that claim to have heard these footsteps and these noises. Okay. Okay. So um, there's a, actually a newspaper article um, about a group of students in 1968 who claimed that they went into Washington Hall to play a prank. So they brought in like a white sheet, <laughs> a football helmet, cameras, like they were going to stage photos of the ghost, right? Because again, even then, there were stories about the Gipper ghost being at the Washington Hall. So while they were exploring the building, they actually felt a lot of creepy sensations. And when they actually went to take the photos, one of them went to turn on the lights but literally the light switch would not stay on. Um, the light switch just wouldn't go stay in the on position. And the student, Brogan, claimed, quote, some crazy force paralyzed my fingers. Then they heard footsteps, a flash of light, and moaning. Okay. First of all, the guy's name is Brogan. <laughs> that could be his last name. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming it is his last name. Yeah. His name is Brogan. Would you trust a man named Brogan to tell you a ghost story? Hey, I'm not judging Brogan. <laughs> I am. <laughs> That's my job. That's my job to do that. Uh, you know, so I'm going to say Brogan went in there with the with wanting to scare people and prank people with a ghost. And he walked away doing it. That's it. I guess. It's still the prank. <laughs> it's still Brogan's prank. But they didn't put out like the pictures or any of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no pictures to see. I can't see it. It's just Brogan's word. Well, all of them. They all do you, said But do you trust Brogan? I, <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure. I mean, to me, I give this like a, I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to give it a zero because it's Brogan. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm not judging the name. Uh, I just, for me, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like when there's a lot of there, this is one specific instance of people reporting these footsteps and and things happening. Um, And there's been others. And I, I feel like it's possible. But it's six because... You know, these are college pranksters, so yeah. I can't I can't go full. I mean, high I'm gonna say it. not only was it college pranksters, but the guy's name was Brogan. He was a college <laughs> guy named Brogan. I mean, come on. It just doesn't seem plausible here. And they went in with the intention of pranking. They still got the prank out. <laughs> All right. Well maybe we'll have to find him. <laughs> <laughs>
Have him come on the show and talk to and us There about you it. go. Tell us the story. Uh, all right. Another potential Washington Hall ghost is that of Brother uh, Canute Lardner, um, who was, a, I think, a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he died while watching a movie in Washington Hall in 1946. Okay. Okay, right? So that's the one you're talking about. So custodians have reported encounters with an elderly man, mm. quote, Irish, balding, and with reddish hair. He's often seen gazing out of the window. One custodian said they saw him and the figure um, in the window um, asked him, could you open the window, please? The custodian said, I don't think I know you. And the figure responded, oh, it's quite all right. I'm with the building. Okay. So, like, when I was told this story, I I thought that the um, the custodian was outside. I think that the, he has been seen from outside, but this particular no, no, no. encounter happened. I'm talking about that the custodian that, that you know, he asked, could you open the window, please? The one that he asked. Oh, I don't know. I did not see where the custodian was that he was being asked. Well, that's what I had, that's what I had interpreted the story to be. This is a little bit different. Okay. Um, so I just think that... You know, oftentimes people look into windows and see people there that aren't really there. I did that before. There was a castle that I used to uh, live by called Givens Castle. It was in Beverly, uh, which was where the Southside Irish Parade was. But it was in Beverly, and it was a beautiful little castle in, you know, a neighborhood you wouldn't expect to see a castle in. And, uh, of course, you know, we all had these horror stories of an axe murderer being there or something. And you could see him through the window sometimes. And if you looked in and the lights weren't on or the lights were just right, you would see it. But it was just a trick of the lights. It was just a trick of the window. It's but, smoke and mirrors. But did you have a conversation with what you saw in no, the window? No, I don't believe this custodian at all. <laughs> it's only one person <laughs> has this kind of thing with it. But several people. And the see, to see the reddish hair, all of that, like... Yeah, it's easy to see like uh, like a reddish blur in a window <laughs> and to assume that it's a person. We make up our minds that these are people and we put these shapes to to life. Okay. So what's your rating? Zero. <laughs> okay. So, so far, I have a two zero zero. Yes, you do. Uh, I am going to give this one a seven. This seven, one's a little okay. more believable to me because we have several people saying they saw the same thing, and there's one that even had a conversation. All of them saw the person through the window. Again, I did not. That was not what no, I No, all the other researched. ones even said that. Even in your thing, it says that they see them... They often see uh, gazing out the window. Yeah, he's gazing out the window, but that doesn't mean yeah. they were looking in. They could have seen him from the inside. I don't oh, know. Oh, no. The w- no, the way that I heard it is they would see him from outside. All right. All right. Does that change anything no. for you if they did? No. Okay. All right, here we go. Last one for, for us. Now, again, there's more out there, everybody, but I, I tried to... Just pick some of the biggest popular ones. Um, Do you have any that are more modern? This one is more modern. Okay, good. Yes. So this is from a student, Bryce Chung, class of 2010. He worked at Wreckers, which is an eatery off the South Dining Hall. So again, South Dining Hall, a place where ghosts are said to be, including Father Soren. Remember we heard the girl earlier. Chung had a weird feeling 
sensed something soon after he started working there. So he asked his coworkers if they had ever experienced anything, and they had, like hands clapping, weird noises. But then Chung had his own experience. After finishing work in the silent basement, he heard a radio go on in the pantry. No one else was there. Hmm. Did I did I ever tell you about when I was a kid and I had, you know, that was in the ages of boom boxes when we would carry them up on our shoulder and walk down the street for some reason. I would literally walk blocks with a big old radio in my arm. <laughs> and this one was like the one that I had was super big. It had like three speakers on it, three this huge is, I speakers. I did not know this about you. This is crazy. Yeah. And... um. One day I was outside and I had the radio in my hand and all of a sudden it turned on and it started playing something that sounded very demonic. Whoa. Yeah. And then it went off and never turned on again. See, all right, ghostly (laughs) listeners, just want you to know that of the two of us, the one who's had the most paranormal type experiences is Patrick. Yet he is the skeptic. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I am. But anyways, I'm just going to say, you know, uh, radios are a weird thing, especially when, you know, they're battery operated. And a lot of times, um, you know, it could be on, but the batteries are kind of off a little bit. And so it doesn't make that connection. And then all of a sudden something happens like a movement in the room and it shifts the batteries back into place and the radio could turn on. All right. Well, again, he was alone. No one else there. No I, one was in the room with it. I was around several people when mine happened. So that could be different. So then. what I'm saying, being alone means that you that you have more chance of lying about it. <laughs> but this, but I was around people and this happened to me. So yeah. I'm just saying it can happen. It can happen. And it took me a while to not see that as being something paranormal. It's just something that happens, some weird effect that happens. We can't blame every weird thing on ghosts. <laughs> All right, so what's your rating? Sorry, Bryce. <laughs> My so, rating for this one, I'm going to give it a one. Okay. Just a one, because right. I don't know all the details. Like, there's a lot that's left out of this story. I wish I could question you know, Bryce Chung and find well, out. Well, he does say to, he, he did not stay around to investigate because it freaked him out. But he does admit, he said, I don't know. It could be, you know, a short and a wire or whatever. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, he's somebody that has experienced paranormal things in his life. And so, you know, he's open to the possibility that it could have been, especially because his coworkers had said, yeah, weird stuff happens. So I think then it becomes a little bit you know, easier yeah. to think that it could be that. And that uneasy feeling, uh, you said he was in uh, like a, the basement of the area, right? Right. Yeah. So basements creep me out a little bit. Sometimes I get weird feelings just knowing I'm in a basement. Yeah. They're, you know, not made up like the rest of the house. They look totally different. Is there a Wreckers in every single college? I don't think so. Oh, okay. It sounds familiar because I've heard of it in other colleges. It could be. It could be a chain. Okay. I don't know. I didn't have it at mine, but that doesn't mean it's not other places. So, okay. My so, listeners can let us know. Yes, I give that one a zero. You gave it a you seven. You gave it a one. Oh, one. By yes. the way, I'm, and I did not. I, give a I score. went down to a zero in uh-huh. that time. Actually, <laughs> okay. I convinced myself. <laughs> Talk no, to yourself okay, out of I'll it. stay with a one. Okay. All right. For me, this one is. Uh, I'm going to give it a six and a half. Six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah. 
All right. That's all I got for you. I don't think we should do halves. What? Yeah, halves aren't fair. Fine. Seven. Whoa. I mean, you should go down then, right? It's, nope. Seven. <laughs> okay. Um, I would like to bring up one thing, though. Okay. That has nothing to do with Notre Dame. Oh, But another spooky thing. Okay. So you've been having the laundry room ghost. Right. Yes. Have you had any more laundry room ghost stories? No. Okay. But you posted a picture on Facebook of yourself drinking... Sinister, Sinister coffee, coffee, which is the best. It is the best. Ghostly 10 to get 10% off. It's fantastic. Because I would give them a 10. They are a 10 out of 10. Yeah. And I really do drink it. It's really good. <laughs> I really drink it too. Yeah. They are really nice people. Yeah. And we, we have had people order it. Like it's it's great. But what did the person say about oh, your yeah. picture? Oh yeah. So someone says they saw like a, like a skull in my hair, which was, <laughs> I got to say, a bit terrifying. I don't see it. I'd need someone did to like- Did you get it out though? I, I hope so. I hope <laughs> I'm not being haunted by a skull. That would not be cool. So you had your laundry room ghost and now you have the skull of sinister coffee. <laughs> Yes, in my hair. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe we need to burn some sage in your place. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. what they say. That's that's all I wanted to add. To okay. This <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so what's your overall rating? My overall rating, I'm going to have to give it a one. Okay. No, right. I mean, not a zero, but pretty close. Okay. Like if I could do like 0.5, I would, but I just said I don't think we should do halves. Yeah, so you're going one. I'm going to go one. You round it up. I round it up. Okay. I would usually round down, <laughs> but in this situation, I feel the need to round up. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, I'm going to give it a six because I, you know, I did have some sevens in there, but I also had some sixes and a four even. Um, I do think there is something, but um, you know, not not all of these stories pan out. But definitely not the most haunted place that we've that we've talked about. No. Okay. Uh, so that brings us to the closing arguments. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are each given one minute of uninterrupted time. We will time each other on our cell phones because Rebecca oftentimes t- tries to cheat. Hey. Well, you do. Don't cheat. <laughs> you go over. <laughs> <laughs> That's not cheating. That is cheating. Rebecca, are you ready? I am ready. All right, and go. All right, so I do think that the University of Notre Dame is haunted. It is amazing to me how many stories. When I first started researching it, I had just found you know, the Gipper story at Washington Hall, but the more you dig in, the deeper you go with your research, I found all these specific sightings and stories uh, of different ghosts all over the campus. You know, they don't make money from this or anything. It's just something that is there and it has been there for years, for like 100 years. People have been seeing ghosts and talking about it. And you can go back through the newspapers of the college uh, and and read all these different stories uh, from throughout the year. So I don't know if we know for sure which ghosts are in which buildings, but I do think that there are presence the presence is there and that they haunt the university. All right. You beat the clock this I time. Did it. Wow. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. And go. So Notre Dame is like 180 years old. It's a really old school now. Uh, and, you know, in that time, they've had millions of people graduate and receive degrees from them. 
it's only it's only logical to think that in that time some people have probably passed away on campus including the gipper and i you know i feel bad it's a tragedy it definitely is a loss to us who knows he would have probably went on to play professional football and done something with his life but anyways it's the tragedy of these people dying that makes us feel that oh there should be something haunted here and then because we feel that there should be then we manifest that ourselves and that's what we're doing here we're manifesting that's it okay wow you beat the uh, clock as well yeah So I want to thank everyone so much for listening. Please share us with your friends and family. As word of mouth is our best advertisement, remember to hit that subscribe or follow button. A lot of the podcast players are switching to the follow button. And to me, I love that idea because subscribe sounds like it costs money, right? But follow doesn't sound like it costs money at all. Um, We have super exciting. We have a super exciting episode for you next time. It'll be our April Fool's Day episode, and uh, we called that Skeptic Day last year. Right, right? so this is March 31st. So this is going to be the ultimate. This is going to be a time for other people to play ghostly Mm. because uh, we're going to play a game called Truth or Lies, but we're going to do it in ghostly fashion, so we're going to call it Ghostly Game Show. Yes, Ghostly Game Show, Truth or Lie. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and the more exciting thing is... We have a fairly large interview. We do. I mean, we have multiple guests coming. Yeah. Some of them have been on Ghostly before. Yeah. But one is very big, very exciting, not someone that has ever been on Ghostly before, and we cannot wait for you yeah, this is, to hear this. Uh, this is a pretty big name. Yes. I mean, he's going to be in character, but it's a big name. Yeah. Well, th- you know, I would say that the character that will be on our on our episode is is an amazing amazing person in his own right. Yeah, he's actually a really big celebrity as well yes. in the paranormal world. Exactly, exactly. And you know, if you are just like, I can't wait, join Ghostly Society on Facebook because those people already know. Yeah, they already know who it is. Um, but also, we have one more thing to make this an even more special episode is that we're going to be announcing a contest mm-hmm. that we're going to have involving the ghostly game show yeah uh yeah absolutely where you could play at home yes you can play at home gonna be super exciting and uh, i can't wait yeah it's gonna be so good i i you really don't want to miss this next episode but until then stay ghostly bye